0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, hello, New Beginnings. How's it going? Good. I'm excited for tonight. I have a two, it's going to be two weeks because I know I won't finish it tonight, called Getting the Gold. And it's gonna be good. Got some stuff here, I got some stuff to worship too. The presence of God was so strong. Amen. So just follow along. I believe God has something for all of us. So open your hearts. I actually just want to pray before we start the message. Lord, we just thank you for this message, God. I pray just for open hearts. I pray you just say what you want to say through me here tonight, Father. Father, I thank you for your word that your word never returns void. Your word is the power, Father. Your word is the activator in our lives. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be talking about this message I titled Getting the Gold. We're going to be looking at how we can get the most out of every circumstance in our life. Now, I have a really good question to start the service. Has anybody ever been disappointed before? What a way, right? <laughs> this guy. Has anybody ever, I think we've all been disappointed in life. My most recent disappointment was Monday. <laughs> yes, I know. Actually, yesterday was a pretty good day. Praise the Lord. Monday. So I love Christmas. I just love it. Like Christmas lights, relax me. I don't know what it is. I really love it. And my wife, she, she's not, she's very just, I don't know, simple, like in a good way, because that helps me because I'm not really simple. She's like, I'm like, let's put the tree up. She's like, do we really need a tree this year? I'm like, do I need to eat breakfast every day? Yes, we need a tree. So I've been so excited. And we have our daughter Everest now, and this is her first Christmas. She's going to be four months old tomorrow. And so I'm really excited for Christmas this year. And I'm like, Bianca, it's the baby. She's like, she's not going to even remember it. I'm like, don't tell me that. She, we're so, I'm so excited. So we go to Target on Monday because we're ready. Now we're going to put up the tree, and we're going to decorate inside the apartment a little bit. And I'm so excited because I keep saying, I'm like, Everest is going to love the tree. Because she's smiling now. She's laughing. I'm like, she's going to see it. She's going to freak out. She's going to love it. So we go to Target, and we're going shopping. And I want to get her her first ornament. you know. So we've got like a letter E. And then normally when it comes to money, sometimes like we'll be shopping. I'm like, I always go, I'm like, do we really need that? Not really. This time I'm like, get more lights. I want more lights. Get more ornaments. She's like, what about changing the scheme this year? I'm like, do it. Get new colors, whatever. Because I don't even care because I was so excited. So we do it. We come home. We, we put the tree together. We have a fake tree. So we just put it together. And the baby takes a nap. And I'm like, this is perfect. She's going to be sleeping. She's going to wake up. And we're going to have the tree done. So we race to get the tree done. She wakes up. I pick her up. I bring her over, and I'm like, look, she could care less. (laughs) She didn't smile. She just stared. So I said, "Okay," Like, I'm trying to act like it doesn't bother me. I put her down. I said, maybe later. So later on, I bring her over again. It's got a little bit dark. outside. I said, Everest, look at the tree, baby. Isn't it beautiful? She literally spit up on me. (laughs) So then I put her down on our chase lounge, and I put a book next to her. And she just starts cracking up. I said, that entertains you. That's good, honey. So disappointment, That's not really being disappointed. We've all faced way worse disappointments in our life. I face disappointments. You face disappointments. We all go through disappointments in life that are a lot worse than I describe. But in any circumstance, we can get gold out of it. And that's what I want to look at in this series. There's something to get from it and grow from it. All throughout the Bible, we see that mountains, when anybody talks about mountains, Jesus talks about mountains, a lot of mountains represent obstacles, something that stands in the way of forward progress. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says this. He tells him, he says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, this obstacle, whatever it may be, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says." Jesus used this mountain here as a symbol of adversity, something standing in the way of forward progress in their lives. And honestly, mountains sometimes, they can look insurmountable. They can look huge. They can look daring. They can look uncomfortable to even look at when you see, unless you're like a huge outdoors person. But when they stand out against the horizon, sometimes you look at it and you see, even from this picture, it can look like sometimes it says, you can go this far, but no more. And that's a dangerous mindset that we can all fall into in our lives, getting comfortable with something and comfort, whatever it may be. And you know, during the, doing some research, during the pioneer days, so to say, of the USA, before technology existed to carve tunnels through mountains, the pioneers would have to travel many miles out of their way to find a pass in order to continue their journey into the new promised land. And in life, We are all going to face some type of mountain obstacle, adversity, adversity in our lives at one point or another. Maybe right now you're like, "I have a hundred mountains going on." I feel like I need a hundred mountains to move. Maybe that's you here tonight. But understand one fact: almost every mountain in the world, no matter where it's located, has some measure of gold in it. Seriously, back in the late 1800s, there was an outbreak they called a gold fever. Rumors swept all over the country that a certain mountain in Colorado was found to be full of gold. There was only one problem, though. The mountain contained tons of gold, but in very small particles, in very small particles. So how did they get the gold out of the mountain? One man, I thought this was really cool, one man in the 1800s decided to use some creativity. Instead of chipping away with pick and shovel, he found himself the longest, strongest hose he could find and hooked it up to the most powerful water pump he could buy. His plan was pretty simple. His plan that he would hose down sections of the mountain and channel the watery mud into a system of flumes and ditches. And as the water passed through screens, the screens, the gold particles would be trapped and collected. And millionaires were literally made overnight in that time. Millionaires were made overnight because of this idea. We need to remember in our lives that every one of our mountains, obstacles, adversities are like that mountain. They may seem immovable. Maybe you're in right now you don't see how it can move. You don't see how it could change. You don't see how it could look positive, your situation, your obstacle. It could be blocking your way, but every one of them has some gold in it. And we want to get that gold out. And if we're going to endure adversity, why not get the gold out of each one? Why not get the gold out of each obstacle we come out of? Because I believe God wants us to always grow. He doesn't want us to stay the same. He wants us to learn from it, to grow from it, whatever it may be. And going back to disappointment, I believe one of the greatest mountains we will face in this life is the mountain of disappointment. None of us really are exempt from this mountain because we're all going to face disappointment. You know why we're going to face disappointment? Two reasons. Number one, we know other people. People are going to disappoint you. They're human. If you know me long enough, I'm going to disappoint you. And we're going to disappoint ourselves. A lot of times we don't even look at that. We disappoint ourselves and we actually, that's actually sometimes harder to let go of than when somebody else disappoints us. We, we don't forgive ourselves. We just keep carrying it. We're all going to face some type of disappointment. And the disappointment really is its simply the hurt we suffer when something we thought was going to happen that did not. It could be a minor setback. It could be a, a big setback. It could be a tragedy, whatever it may be. Something didn't turn out how we thought it would turn out. Coming towards the end of the year, some of us may be facing a disappointing end to this year. Maybe 2018 wasn't what you thought it would be. Maybe you wanted a new house and you didn't get the new house. Maybe you wanted the promotion, you didn't get the new promotion. Maybe you wanted to get a new job, you didn't get the new job, whatever it may be. Maybe you thought you would meet somebody this year and you didn't. Maybe, so you're looking at 2018 as a disappointing year, but don't just put that in the back burner because if you could really pick out, I'm telling you, you could find some gold in it. You can find some areas you can grow in it. You can find some things that God did in your life. You can find some things going into 2019 that you could take with you and you can grow from. God doesn't really anything. We're going to see this. Jesus doesn't waste anything. He truly doesn't. He doesn't waste anything. And we're going to see a little bit about that. But I wrote this down because I believe this is, is so important. We need to guard our hearts so we don't let disappointment turn into hopelessness. Because that is dangerous. Because you could go from having a bad 2018 to 2019 is going to be terrible. And you're speaking this over your life now. Or you're acting it out and you're not even realizing it. Because there's a sense of hopelessness. And I pray if that's you, God frees you from that. Don't let disappointment turn into hopelessness. Because disappointments can block our way and they could drain the life out of us. But here's something really cool. The legend has it that Walt Disney was turned down 302 times before finally getting financing for his dream of creating Walt Disney World. 302 times. I don't even know. I, I, must, I probably would have walked away after one time. Honestly, I might not have even have proposed it. There's, I could think of things in my life, to be honest with you guys. I've been telling myself I'm going to write a book for five years. I haven't didn't, I didn't even started. I realized that this week because I'm afraid of disappointment. Because I'm afraid that I'm going to disappoint myself. So what happens? We don't even start something. Let alone if we get turned down or if there's disappointment, continue on. 302 times. KFC founder, Colonel Sanders, was rejected 1,009 times before finding a taker for his chicken recipe. Praise the Lord, he found a taker. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Over 1,000 times. And both these men, you could see it's proven that both these men learned the secret of getting the gold out of every mountain. Don't give up. Somebody might need to hear that. Don't give up. Don't give up. The word of God is full of wisdom on how to move forward through disappointment into the place of divine appointment. Do not let your disappointment make you miss the appointment God has for you. Because God might be calling you to do one thing or you might just have a strong sense in your heart The Holy Spirit may be trying to tell you something, and you won't even want to step out to do that because of something that you feel like you failed in in the past. And you're disappointed in, or you feel like you've let people down, so you won't even step out into what God may be calling you to do, or something He's asking you to do. Because you're holding this thing that He's not holding against you anymore. You're forgiven. Going back to what I was talking about just a few minutes ago, I want to look at the way Jesus thinks, how He never wastes anything, the way He operates. Jesus, just like God, is an amazing manager of good resources. Jesus knows how to manage resources. In other words, he doesn't waste anything. When Jesus miraculously fed over 15,000 people, because it says he fed over 5,000 people, but I wasn't included, women and children, so they say about 15,000 people. When he miraculously took a few loaves of bread and some fish, fed over 15,000 people, we still see he didn't let anything go to waste. Let's look at John chapter 6. I just thought this is cool. It's very practical. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Jesus doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste anything. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. It's amazing. Jesus does not waste anything. And if we're going through disappointments anyway, let's not waste any of that time. Let's get whatever we can out of any mountain, out of any obstacle. And if any adversity that comes our way, let's get the most out of it. James said this. In the book of James, he said this. I love the book of James, and I love these four, three verses. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you really think about this, this is very counter to the way most of us think. I'm just being honest. I don't know about you, but my natural instinct when troubles come my way or adversity or an obstacle is not to consider it great joy. I'm going to be honest. I don't go, oh, yes. Even though we should be, well, we should consider great joy because we should be building up our faith so when this time comes, we can exercise our faith, put our faith into action, into movement. Now, God doesn't bring it to us. But we live in a world that is still ruled by sin, so we're going to have some mountains. And he literally says, consider it a chance for great joy. And how could he say this? I've asked myself this question when I've read this verse. How could James say this? Because there's a reason he's saying it. He's not just saying it to say it. And I wrote this down. Becoming a Christian, this is why I believe he could say this, because becoming a Christian does not automatically exclude a believer from difficulties, but the proper attitude in meeting adversity, is to count it all joy, which is not an emotional reaction. It's not an emotional reaction, but an intelligent appraisal of the situation from God's perspective. Okay? It's a perspective of what God has. Adversity is actually an opportunity for growth. We need to see that in our lives. You know, I, this, normally at the end of the year, I always pray for God. I say, what can I focus on in the next year? Do you have something? And this year, and it started earlier than 2019, it started about a month ago, and it's just huge for me. I'm telling you, I want to encourage you. He told me, this needs 2019 for me, I need to change my perspective on a lot of things. Because when we have a perspective shift to see in how God sees it, oh my God, let me just tell you, your life will completely change. And this is what he's telling us, seeing this from God's perspective. That's how you can count it all joy, because you're seeing it from his perspective that whatever it is, he has already defeated it with his son at the cross. So it's not an emotional reaction. It's not a fakingness of I'm going to, yeah, like something happened, so I'm going to scream and dance and do a spin out of emotion, counting all joy. It's no. I'm seeing it from how God's seeing it. So you know what? This might be here now, but he's defeated it already, and I'm not going to just go through this and not learn anything. I'm going to grow from it. I'm going to come out stronger on the other side than I did when I went in, whatever it may be. A perspective shift. Something I feel strongly about is this, is we place, and this is, this is why we could fall into a lot of disappointment, to be honest, we place a huge emphasis, I've just noticed this, myself included, we place too much emphasis on accomplishments and therefore leave ourselves open to one disappointment after another, whereas God places the emphasis on who we are becoming rather than what we accomplish. If you place your happiness on what you accomplish, you will always let yourself down because it will never be good enough. Now, I'm not saying don't strive to accomplish anything. And I'm not saying when you do, don't celebrate. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is if that's where you're getting your purpose from, if that is where you're getting only where you're getting your happiness from, you will be let down because it will never be good enough. I've seen it in my life. When, when I accomplish this, I'll be happy. You know what happens? You accomplish it. You look at yourself in the mirror and you go, nothing's really changed. Now, I saw this really cool story really quick, and it just recently, was the other day, and it was about this fighter. He was like a mixed martial artist fighter, and he was talking. He was just having a very candid interview and being honest, and he said he defeated a guy who was undefeated for years, and he said, when I got into mixed martial arts, I always said, if I could beat this guy, that was my dream. He said, and I knocked him out. He said, I went into the locker room. He said, this is when I was by myself, and he won the championship and everything. He said, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I said, nothing's changed in the scope of everything. He said, That's all I was looking for to feel like I made it. Do not place your happiness in your accomplishments. God is way more concerned about who we are becoming than what we are accomplishing. King David, and that's what I really, from now till the end of next week, he's going to be somebody huge that I focus on, that I want to talk about. He was a man all too familiar with disappointment. He was. Think about it. As the youngest of his family, he was constantly overlooked. After he killed Goliath, when he, went out in a, when he was the only person that would even go out to challenge Goliath, and even after he killed Goliath, then his own king became jealous of him. His wife despised his devotion to God and mocked him. His own countrymen abandoned him, and he was forced to run from the king for 15 years. When he finally became king, his own son tried to steal the kingdom from him. His baby, born from adultery, died shortly after birth. And finally, before he, his death, he was forced to accept one last disappointment. So David really saw a, lot of, he saw a lot of great things, and he saw a lot of disappointment in his life. And before he died, he saw one last one. And it says David, he was, David was so passionate. If you read his life about building a temple for God in Jerusalem, he amassed, they said, building materials in excess of a billion dollars by today's standards. If you'd have measured up, it would have been over a billion dollars by today's standards. However, if you read 1 Chronicles 22, God had a different plan. It tells us that God spoke to David and told him he was not the one who would build the temple because David had shed too much blood here on earth. So imagine that now. Something he, he was passionate about, to God says, you're not going to be the one to build the temple. However... David was disappointed, but God gave him the promise that his son Solomon would be the one to build the temple. God never leaves us disappointed. God said, David, you shed too much blood here. You're not going to be the one to build the temple, but your son is going to build the temple. Solomon's going to build the temple. God was, And I believe this because God was more concerned with David becoming a man of God than he was concerned with David accomplishing things for God. And we could really see that clearly if we think about it. Because David is the only man in the Bible that God called a man after my own heart. He cared more about David and who he was becoming. Because who we become is more important than what we accomplish. It truly is. David learned, and David learned how to get the gold out of every mountain. He had disappointment, definitely. And some of it was, we're going to talk about, It was caused by his own doing. But God was concerned more about who he was becoming. So how do we get the gold out of every mound? How do we get the gold out of every obstacle? I have seven points for this, but tonight I just want to talk about the first three and we'll continue next week. So you guys, i got to come back next week. We're going to finish this up. So if I go through all seven, we'll be here like nine. Kids got school tomorrow. All right. So, how do we get the goal out of each situation? Number one, this is important. It might sound simple, but be honest and open with God. A lot of us, myself included, can struggle with this. For some reason, we think God doesn't even know what's going on, right? They're like, you you know, you need to confess. I don't want. I can't say that to Him. If He knows I did, He does know whatever happened. Don't kid yourself. David may have not been the perfect man, husband, father, or king, but one thing he perfected was being open and honest with God. Read the Psalms. He expressed his anger with the Lord because he felt abandoned by Him. Look what he said in Psalm 42:9. "I say to God, my Rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy?" He literally expressed his anger to God. If we heard most of us, if we heard somebody say that, we would look at them and be like, "How dare you?" Right? Now, here's the thing, though. God is so kind and merciful, he entertains even our perceptions of him that are completely wrong. And sometimes I believe when we're honest and open with God, we actually realize how faithful he is. Because sometimes when we actually talk things out, we realize, like, God, how could you do this? And then all of a sudden we're talking out and I'm like, God, you are faithful. What am I talking about? You are so faithful. You've done this in my life. Sometimes when you're open and honest, I know sometimes with friends, close friends, when I have honest conversations with them, I actually learn so much about myself. Or I can just, the solution can come from me just talking to them and them listening. Be honest and open with him. Because sometimes we actually need to confess it for it to make us want to even change. Because if we don't, what do we do? We're kind of hiding it and we keep putting it back and we don't want to talk about it and it builds up, it builds up, and it builds up. When you're opus and honest, there's something with the power of our words that kind of just gets it out there. And then you realize, okay, God, I know you didn't do this, but I need your help now. I actually really need your help because I know you are faithful. And he is, because look at what he says in Isaiah. Isaiah 49, God says, yet Jerusalem says, God says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hand. Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls and ruins. God is comparing himself in this thing to a nursing mother with home baby. And he's saying, reassuring his people, I don't forget you. I've not forgotten you indeed. I've literally written you on the palms of my hand. God does not forget us. So number one, be honest and open with God. You will learn, you will be able to take some gold just out of disappointments or whatever it may be. When you're honest and open with him, you will realize things. We might realize where we need to change in our life or where we need to change our perspective. Or we might realize a time that we forgot five years ago how faithful he was, whatever it may be. Number two, this is important, take responsibility for any actions that may have brought the disappointment. This is not one that a lot of us want to hear, but it's true. We actually need to take responsibility for it. That's like a a lot of times that's the first step because David understood he was to blame for a lot of what happened in his life because no matter what, God doesn't bring it on, but there is that principle of reaping and sowing. He will walk you through it. You will grow from it. You will get get it, but just take responsibility. When David fell into adultery with Bathsheba, followed by their baby's death, he wrote this in Psalm 51.3. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Now, God's not judging us. Jesus paid for our sins. He sees you how he sees Christ, but the reaping and sowing, just take responsibility. God, you know what? I have some disappointment in my life, and it's because I did this, and it's going back to being open and honest. But Lord, I might need to walk through some things now, but I know you're going to walk through it with me. You know, if you have $100, if I had $100, And I had an electric bill due tomorrow that was $100. And tonight after service, I know I needed to pay that tomorrow. And I went and go, you know, I'm going to go get a steak for $100. And I really enjoyed it because that would probably be really good. And then tomorrow I couldn't pay the electric bill. I couldn't look at God and say, God, you didn't supply all my needs. You're not faithful. I'm just reaping what I sowed. I spent $100 on a steak instead of my electric bill. But God will walk you through it. So we might need to walk through some things in life we can grow from it we knowing he will walk us with us hand in hand and he's not judging us he's not mad at you he's not holding anything against you he's not disappointed in you which a lot of us we get into that mindset so we don't even want to start the process because we feel like he's disappointed in us he's not disappointed in you so take responsibility for the actions that may have brought this disappointment because all of us in our life we can look at disappointment and says mm, that's because I did that that's because I got involved in that that's because I didn't decide on that. That's because I made the wrong decision on that. We're still here today. For as long as you're still breathing, God's not done with you yet. That doesn't define who you are. Jesus defines who we are. Number three, this one is the one I really want us to focus on: Never misdirect anger. Anybody ever do this? We got a couple. David, at times, was very angry with other people. Again, read the Psalms, I'm telling you. You want to see somebody that's honest and open and vulnerable? Read the Psalms. David was very angry with others. He expressed his anger to the Lord in terms that reveal the depths of his feelings. I want to read this one Psalm, a few verses he wrote. David says, break off their fangs, O God. Smash the jaws of these lions, O Lord. May they disappear like water into thirsty ground. May their weapons useless in their hands. May they be like snails that dissolve into slime like a stillborn child who will never see the sun. If you want to talk about somebody that had a bad day. I I hope none of us ever wrote something to the extent of this in our journals with God. Make them like the snails. People are like, hey, Pastor Malik, listen, no. David was angry, as we could see. But notice this. When he was angry with people, he went to God about it. He didn't go to them about it. He didn't seek vengeance. He always, don't seek vengeance, always seek resolution. If he would have ran to the people about this, they probably would have. Smashed. He probably would have smashed their jaws, but he went to God. Remember, it's okay to be angry, but don't forget to forgive. Don't forget to forgive, because when we don't forgive, it hardens our heart. If you want to get the gold out of any obstacle, adversity, a mountain you are going through, I'm telling you now, do not live in unforgiveness because you will not get any gold because your heart will be so hardened. You'll be so preoccupied with that. You'll be holding on to 10 things from five years ago, two years, one years ago. You will miss what God is doing. Forgiveness is so powerful in our lives and we need to address it when it happens. You know, I, this can be embarrassing, but whatever. <laughs> with family. I'm either... Like when it comes to things, I'm either like all in or I'm a procrastinator. I'm not really anywhere in the middle. One of the things I procrastinate is some duties at home I have to do. So my wife likes to get things done. She just likes to do it. And me at home, I could be working on things and she'll like, say, hey, this needs to get taken out. You left your shoes over there. Whatever, you know, your clothes, you, what are you just going to throw them like that? Can you go pick them up where they are? And always, when it comes to little things in the house, if this needs to be cleaned, you said you were going to clean this, I say, I'm going I'm to do it. The famous words, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm working on this now. I can't do it now. I'm going to do it. You know what happens? Number one, it doesn't help my marriage in the moment. Number two, I actually get angry because that later on that day, when, or that week, when I actually decide to do everything I need to do, I have like 30 things I need to do now. And I'm frustrated because now I'm looking at it as like, this is going to take me hours. And I actually get frustrated. And then I realize if I would have done those things in the moment, I wouldn't be even doing what I'm doing right now. And my wife wouldn't be mad at me. It would be awesome. Happy wife, happy life. I'm just real. And I realized this. So we actually made a rule in our house to help me. We call it the five-minute rule. That means if you could do it within five minutes, you just better get up and do it. And I've gotten better. I would be lying to you if I looked you in the face and said, every time I succeed, I don't. But I've gotten better. But this is the same thing with unforgiveness. Because if we let every offense build up in our life and we don't deal with it when it happens... The next thing we know, we just might pile on somebody, we might burst out one day, whatever it may be. Don't let offense or unforgiveness or whatever it may be pile up, pile up, pile up, pile up, pile up, so you go, oh, now I need to deal with it, and then you you lash out on somebody about something they did 15 years ago. Deal with it when it happens. Forgive. And if God is more concerned with who we are becoming, we need to forgive. If he is more concerned about who we are becoming, we need to forgive. Because if God forgave us, why shouldn't we forgive others? I'm not saying you have to be best friends with them, but you need to forgive them. Because he already did. You know, one thing, honestly, though, this is this is true, Bianca and I, we make sure, and, and you know, we've only been married two and a half years now, but when we got married, we said this, and I pray we could still say this 50 years from now. And I can honestly say, we, we've done this. We, when we got married, the first thing we said is, listen, we knew she's going to disappoint me in Arias, I'm going to disappoint her. It's just life. But we will never go to sleep angry at one another. And it's only been two and a half years, but we have never gone to sleep. We always resolve it. We have not gone to sleep angry at each other because we don't want that to carry over. And so we always deal with it. And I pray we can say that 50 years from now. And we always try to get the gold out of it. We try to grow. So please, that is what I want you to remember is Never misdirect anger. Bring it to God. Release that forgiveness to the other person. Or maybe you need to go ask somebody to forgive you, whatever it may be, never misdirect anger. Don't let disappointment rule your life. You know, and I I wanna close with this, and we're gonna continue this next week, but I I just feel strongly about I don't know if I'll share this story, but I feel strongly about it is this is going back to what we accomplished rather than who we're becoming. I'll be honest, this is something that I struggle with sometimes. And I realized something. And it, You know, a three-month-old can teach you a lot. They really can. You know what I love about babies? They're in the moment at the whole time. They're always in the moment. They're not worried about a, a, even a minute from now. They're just in the moment. But it was about a month ago, and I don't know why. You ever get in your own head, and you're just in your own head, and I was disappointed in myself for I don't even know what. In my mind, I feel like I wasn't doing as good as I should be doing in certain areas. I'm not doing the best as a husband. I'm not doing the best as a pastor, whatever it may be. And I was feeling, I was putting it on myself, projecting this stuff on myself of disappointment in myself, thinking how could that person not be disappointed in me, whatever it may be. And I went home one night, and I was so upset. I was so disappointed. And I went home, I picked up Everest, and I literally started crying because I picked her up and she just started smiling. And I realized in that moment, She could care less what I do. She only cares about who I am. I'm her dad. Like I can go home when I go home tonight, and I see her. She is not going to care about how this message went tonight. (laughs) She is going to care that her dad is home. And when I saw that, I started tearing up because I'm thinking, man, this. I learned this from thrilled. This is how God sees me. He is way more concerned with who I am becoming and who I am as His son in Christ than what I accomplish. I'm not saying what we accomplish isn't important because God puts us, he gives us a purpose and we need to go accomplish his will because there's people that are depending on us. So I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is he cares about more about who you become than what you accomplish. And that is how we can get the gold out of every situation by striving to become more like Christ. So Father, I just thank you for this night. I pray seeds were planted in our heart. And we can grow, we can take this throughout the week and we can grow from this. I thank you that you are more concerned with who we are becoming. I thank you that any obstacle, any adversity in our lives, whatever it may be, any mountain, we will get gold from it, Lord. Nothing goes wasted, Father. I thank you for that, Lord. And we just thank you and we give you all the praise, God, because Father, you gave us Jesus. You've forgiven us so greatly, so we need to go, we need to forgive others. In Jesus' name, amen.